Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into the podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage and welcome everybody welcome along to today's episode and we're going outdoor live events with today's um, episode of the podcast i'm delighted to say that we're joined uh, by our guest willie irish willie is the managing director of arena scaffolding um, joins us from his base uh, in leeds um, in west yorkshire willie thanks for joining the podcast today uh, yep how are you doing uh, not too bad at all. And um, yeah, uh, but before we sort of dive in and really get into nitty gritty of, 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 of what we're going to be talking uh, to Willie about today on the podcast, um, I'm sure that most of our podcast listeners will be aware of the Ryder Cup. Um, it's a biannual uh, sporting event between professional golfers from Europe against professional golfers and their counterparts from the USA. Um, as a biannual event, it flip-flops backwards and forwards between Europe and America every two years, which means once every four years, European event companies are involved in helping to stage the event and that's why Willie is on the show today. We're going to be talking about his involvement with the tournament uh, which took place in Paris this year. Um, it was the first time that the Ryder Cup had been hosted uh, in France. Um, I think it was Le Golf National uh, is, the, is the club uh, just, outside, just outside of Paris. Uh, thank God I got that one correct. Um, and uh, yeah, Willie's here to talk about their involvement with it. So um, yeah, Willie, over to you. Um, your uh, arena scaffolding, um, which is part of the arena group. Um, I suppose, first of all, we should look at your own um, professional involvement uh, with this event. Um, uh, how many uh, Ryder Cups have you been involved in in, in one way, shape or form? Um, this is the fifth Ryder Cup that I've uh, been involved in. But first, time, but first time I've been involved in one uh, while being part of the arena group. Okay. And, um, and when did Arena Scaffolding um, become part of that arena group? Because many people will have, will have seen and heard of Arena and seen projects that they've been involved in. Yeah, we were an independent company that was um, bought out and joined the arena group in October 2016. Right. We worked alongside the arena, the arena group for, for some years, quite some years now. Okay, so there was, there was very much a, a, an existing relationship there and a working relationship on projects. Yes, yeah. Excellent. And um, I know, obviously, Arena have, have, have had um, an involvement in the Ryder Cup, as you had as an, as a, an independent um, uh, company. What, what exactly um, is your involvement with the tournament and what, what elements did Arena Scaffolding specifically supply? Well, we, we um, supply the substructures to the marquees. Um, not just for Arena, but for all the marquee supplied for the Ryder Cup uh, by other contractors as well, other companies as well. We do that, that. We deal direct to the European Tour for that, and it's part of our European Tour contract. And and as you said, you know, it's not not just Arena Group with their structures. You know, there are a lot of other structure companies that are involved in this because the scale of the operation must be um, monumental. It, it, I mean, if you take into account just how big a golf course is anyway, and then take into account how many people come to a tournament like this, um, you've probably got multiple contractors that you're dealing with across a, a vast physical area. Yeah, there is multiple contractors from a structure point of view. Um, usually. Previous previous four Ryder Cups that I've been involved in, there's the, the usually three structured companies that, that, that do it because it's too big a job for one independent company to do it. Mm -hmm. um, this year, that was divided by two companies, obviously Arena Structures being one of them. 
Okay. But we still provided the, the structures for the other company. So this will be the fifth one that you've been, um, but that you've worked on, which, uh, I mean, just, just doing the maths, every four years over in Europe, uh, what's that going back then, 20 years? Yeah, yeah, obviously I don't look old enough, do I? <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're working with directly with the European tour, and I suppose just, just taking on that point about having been involved in a 20-year period, um, you know, five events might not sound like much, you know, to people who are doing an event every year, but when you stretch that back over a 20-year period, that's a significant working relationship. How, um, how much does the brief change every year? Obviously, the golf courses will change with every uh, Ryder Cup that comes to Europe. Um, there may be some repetition over a prolonged period, but how much of a difference is there now in what's required compared to when you first started? Well, when we first started, it, 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 we, we were basically just involved in the scaffold side of it. But as it's developed over the years, we're now going to, into timber cladding, providing the staircases, providing a lot of the finish handrails. So we progressed with the, with the progression of the tournament mm -hmm. and the progression of the European tour. The, obviously, the, the structures change, the designs change. So you're always going to have an element of change from one Ryder Cup to the next. And, and the aesthetics are always going to, going to level up as well. Sure. So there's been a huge difference from what we provided in 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 uh, so like 20 years ago to what we what we provide now. Yeah. So uh, well, as you say, you know, just just from watching it on TV, um, and it's something that I did did watch, and uh, you know, I'm a I'm I'm a fan of the tournament, not a huge golf fan, but I'm one of those sports fans that just likes the, you know, that 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 the whole um, thing that surrounds the Ryder Cup, the buzz around it, and so yeah. I watch it. And one thing that a lot of people will notice is is like you said, that standard of presentation that's gone up. And I'm curious to to ask from a from a scaffolding and a support point of view, does a lot of your work fundamentally stay the same, and and how? the actual finished structure is presented? Is that down to other people or have, have there develop, uh, developments and things that you've had to evolve and, and develop differently in order to, to offer that higher level of presentation that will be demanded? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a funny one really because our main, our main focus is obviously supporting the structures, creating a level ground, creating a level ground for the structures to go on. Mm -hmm. Then the main focus of the client is to hide that scaffold. <laughs> yeah. obviously, obviously they, don't, they don't want to see it so we, we're heavily involved in that now how it works best how it looks we, we know we got involved in the design of the the main entrances for argument's sake to the to the to the structures that were elevated mm -hmm. um we've had to develop back of house systems to allow for the undulating ground as well sure. and obviously try to get systems that are much quicker than what we you know years ago when we, we just build it on site out of timber yeah you know, so yeah, so there's, there's obviously a, a, um, a development stage all the way through, but we have to try and combine the structural design and the requirement of the structural de design and the loadings with the requirement and the aesthetics that the, that the, that the client wants, that the client wants to see at the end of it, which is quite difficult sometimes. And when, when you mentioned that, are we talking things like sort of, you know, having uh, a, a, an increased sort of uh, load capacity so they can hang sort of, uh, you know, heavy, um, heavy sort of drapes or, or branding and stuff on there? Do, do you have to change sort of rigging points and things like that so that they can actually put these sort of sophisticated bits of branding on there now that maybe they wouldn't have done 15, 20 years ago? I think it's more, it's more of the, the multi-level structures. Mm -hmm. the, the loadings on the multi-level structures the, the the you know the furniture the design that goes within the structure the amount of people that can get in the structure but you know you're talking 20 years ago obviously everything was single story just a normal what we call a tent you know now they're actually structures mm -hmm. so you single you've you've, you've uh, two-story and, and obviously the first time in france this year they've used three-story structures as well 
and, so and we actually designed to take into account all the different loadings for that and and then make sure that we can we can produce a structure to support that in the area that we actually want to put it um are you restricted any in any way by the fact that you are working in a a sensitive um geographic location and when i say sensitive i mean the amount of time and effort and money that's invested in ensuring that a golf course is up to pro standard and not just up to pro standard but then subsequently up to uh, the standard of the biggest most prestigious golf tournament in the world and then you guys are bringing in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tons worth of equipment um how much of, of the the operational process when you're on site is geared around making sure you are protecting the site as best as possible while still being able to put up these vast structures it's one of the main <clears throat> it's one of the main issues we have and it's one of the main things that we concentrate on is first and foremost looking after the golf course so we 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 we, we plan meticulously how we're going to get things into a certain areas you know some days we will leave things because it might be wet weather you know it might damage the course we may need trackway we may need we may need help from the club you, you, you know we 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 as a scaffold company, are normally the first on site and the last on site. So the relationship we build with the green keepers and the and, and the um, and the green staff is really important because they can give us great advice on what we can and what we can't do, and we need to accept that advice. Uh, absolutely. And when you mentioned there the weather, um, I guess. Th- in many different for many different reasons you have to retain a degree of flexibility on site because you'll you'll wake up one morning and right it's raining that means we, we probably won't move that stuff into position as planned which means we go to plan b or to plan c or to plan d is it a case of having you know multiple different options on your daily schedules so that you can be flexible and, and maintain the build schedule yeah what we do to, to a certain extent as much as we can is try to leave any, any elements that, that are in a dry area for a wet day Mm-hmm. So if we're building something in the car park or, you know, on flat ground that's that's that's, that's hard standing, we usually try to leave that for for you know for any time there's wet weather. We try to you know not not to go onto the golf course if there's wet weather. Mm, absolutely. And when I say flexibility as well, um, I've no doubt that there will be a huge amount of planning that goes into this. It will be meticulous. You know that there'll be a lot of site meetings. You'll have sat down with the with the European tour, with the various stakeholders who are involved to, to plan this. But um, like any event site, anybody who's worked on any event site, big and small, knows that there's always an element of um, improvisation when you actually go onto a live site where suddenly they say, oh, well, could we put a TV camera platform there? Or maybe could we have something over there as well? And with, there's a bit of space here. What could we put there? H- how much is actually pre-planned in terms of the, 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 the structures that you supported and, and the scaffold you delivered? And how much is then, um, for want of a better phrase, made up and improvised on site? Well, on a normal golf event, you'd, you'd, you'd allow sort of like 10% contingency for extra extra structures or extra works or something being moved. But Ryder Cup is elevated from that because it's such a huge event and obviously a different course each every four years that it's it's impossible to get everything right. So we always sort of like allow a 25% contingency for a Ryder Cup. It could be more, it could be less. But just a slight movement of a structure can make a, a huge difference to what staircase you've got to put on there, whether a ramp works, you know, mm-hmm. what, what extra timber cladding you'll need and 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 sometimes you can visualize everything that's going to go on around that golf course but then when it when the structures are actually in place or a camera tower's there or the screen's there they may need to hide something in the back of house you know so there's always that contingency there 
that to, to, to block something off or, or put an extra structure in there. Um, and I suppose on the same question when it comes to flexibility that 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 has to reflect in the team that you've got on site there as well um because as i said you will have uh structures that have been pre-planned you will have specific design briefs and, and project drawings that you are working very very accurately to but presumably your staff and your project managers and the teams that you've got there need to have the ability as well to to just go with it to to, to just be able to build something in as a contingency if it's required and demanded from the client yeah yeah but it, you know we've got a fully experienced team because we do so much work within golf within and around golf that we can actually see some things before the, the client does mm -hmm. and suggest them and, and explain them or we'll see it in the planning stage and even though the client may not ask for it we still put that contingency in there because sometimes they do change their mind closer towards the event yeah so, you know we, we we always put that in there but i think that's the that's the beauty of being involved in these events for so many years. Mm. You, you you can sometimes sense actually what's coming, sure. or what you what you may require. And the guys, all the guys, totally understand that because it's not it cannot be a, a set. You, you're not doing a seating stand within a, an exhibition hall, or you're not doing a stage. You know, you, you're working on uh, an outdoor area, an undulating ground, and, and like say a slight movement of moving something ten meters can make a complete difference to the whole structure. Yeah. So we, we, we do allow for that flexibility and the guys the guys have got that mentality that it doesn't doesn't affect them. Yeah. They go in they're going in there prepared to do that. So if it does yeah. get if it if it does become the case, it's not something that's of great surprise and it's not going to cause a great issue to, to any of the operation. No, no, not at all. Um, just in terms of the type of structure, I suppose that's one thing that we've not really um, gone into detail on that I'm sure people would be interested to hear. Um, you know, there's the obvious seating structures that people will see around the, the, the green areas, you know, the, 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 the greens and, and, um, and elements around the tees. Just give us an overview and maybe an idea of the, some of the different types of structures that you were, you were involved in, in helping to deliver. Yeah, well, if, if you look at the, the main hospitality structures on course, they're, they're not, they're, they're, not, <clears throat> they're not built on level ground, obviously, it's a, it's a golf course, so it's, it's all undulating. So anything above a 600 millimeter fall needs to go onto a scaffold. Right. So we, we erected um, 3,700 square meters of substructure to support the triple deck hospitality units. Right. 5,300 5, square meters of double deck structure and 2,875 square meters of single deck structure. So, but it's, as I said before, that, that is then timber cladded or netted or, or hidden. And it's, it, it's, it's something that's, uh, it's like a child seen and not heard. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, I mean, in the nicest possible way, is that sometimes a bit frustrating for you that, that, that you're involved in stuff that, you know, such a huge, I mean, you are literally the foundations on which everything else is built on. But mm. yet when it comes to the actual TV cameras being switched on and those millions of people watching around the world, you can't, you can't really see anything that you guys have done. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's, it's, as soon as we do it, they want to hide it. So, but, but no, it's, 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 it's still a rewarding job because we make everything easier for everybody else behind us. And it's so important because we actually drive the build program. We drive the structure. We, we drive the structure program because if we're late, the knock-on effect further down the line is incredible. Of it's course. not just for the structure being built. It's for the internals, for the carpets, for the caterers. So, you know, it's such an important role that we play. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, when, when we look at the scale of it, and we've, we've touched on this and we've spoken about just how big a project this is, um, 
in terms of the actual equipment that you've got there on site, that's a, that's a vast amount of equipment. So I'm curious to know from a logistics point of view, how difficult is it when the European tour come to you and they say, right, decision has been made. It's going to be in France in 2018. Um, you guys are based in the UK. I mean, how much extra work does that add to you guys um, from a language barrier point of view in terms of having to go and do site visits and things? You know, when it's somewhere like the Belfry, um, great. We can whiz down there and that's great. We do a site visit there in a day. This must add quite a bit of, um, not difficulty as such, but extra consideration when it's going to be in, in, in continental Europe. Yeah, that's correct. It's the extra consideration. You've got to, you've got to plan better. You've got to make sure that, you know, you're allowing for the time for the vehicles to get down there. If you're short of materials or you need extra materials, you've got to realise it's not going to come there in two or three hours. It's going to be, you know, a minimum of two days. Mm. So you've got to allow for all that. You've got to allow for the, you know, the guys as well who are working away from home. You know, getting getting home, see the families where normally they just jump in the car and they'll be home at the weekend. Mm. You know, we, we have to plan that in meticulously. But again, we're quite lucky because we, as a as a as a scaffold company, as a as a, as a group within the group, we now work in 17 different countries around the world. So right. we're quite experienced now working outside of outside of the UK. Um, and again. We were quite lucky with the Le Golf National because we do the French Open there, so we work right. there. For, we worked there for the last two years, so we, you know, we 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 use the French Open 2017 as a little bit of the guinea pig of of getting all the systems and processes right, and uh, and that's that's boded well for us throughout the Ryder Cup this year. And not just the systems, but presumably the relationship, because again, something you mentioned briefly was, you know, the greenkeepers who are, you know, the heart and soul of any major golf course and golf club are the greenkeepers, the people actually looking after, you know, the, the land, um, so to speak. And, and that opportunity to work last year on site is not just a chance to sort of, for yourself to look at the logistics and the get-ins and the get-outs of where you're going to go, but also presumably to build the relationship with the, with the guys who are actually on site there every day. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's vastly important that you make all these relationships at Ryder Cup because, um, you know, not just with the, the greenkeepers, but obviously with the, with, the, with the client and and all the other contractors because, you know, if you're short of something or you've got a little bit of trouble or, you know, they're short of something, they've got a little bit of trouble, everybody works together to help each other out. Nobody's against each other because they work for different companies because everybody wants that success of the Ryder Cup, which it was this year. Yeah. And, you know, you, you do rely on people yeah, uh, we we had a puncher for argument's sake. I don't speak French, but one of the other guys did, so he you know he he he'd help us out on that. You know, whereas he would have bit a shot of a shot of a bit of timber for, to do something. So you know we exchanged you know exchanged him a bit of timber, whereas he'd have had to try and go out, outsource it and get it from some from somewhere else. So it's vastly important for this and most of the major championships that you you know you work as a, a collective group, not independent companies. So relationships are, are really really important. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned that, um, that it, just going back to what you said about working there last year and using it as a bit of a test bed uh, for some of the procedures and the processes that you were going to implement. Um, I'm sure that that was, as you've said, no doubt useful from a relationship point of view, from an understanding the actual ge geography of the, of the area. But um, inevitably, when it comes to the big one, when it comes to the Ryder Cup and you, you go on site for the first time, I mean, you've got you know, as you said, a triple-decker structure going up, you know, the, the, the first golf tournament in France to actually deploy a triple-decker structure of that, that size. So inevitably, you, even though you've done this planning, is there still a sort of a, a moment or certain moments on site where it is fingers crossed, you know, and, and hoping that the planning is really going to pay off? 
Well, well, no, I won't say I won't say worry or fingers crossed. I, I think it, there's, a, there's a massive amount of pride that goes in with it because we we were obviously planning this for for two two and a half years, mm. you know, and to various site visits, various concerns about the ground conditions of of what the golf, you know, where, where some of the structures have been built. So knowing that we'd we'd delivered everything that we you know we'd, we'd calculated, we designed, you know, and we built. Is is not? I won't say a relief. It's more of a a, a proud moment. To be fair, mm. just just one quick question from an engineering point of view: Did the course themselves um, uh, deliver any sort of um, permanent footings? Uh, you know, by way of foundations and things, where you'd identified maybe areas of ground that you were worried maybe you know a, a little bit too soft or maybe not you know just 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 compatible enough for putting the the, the sort of structures on. You know, did they put any permanent concrete footings? No, we did we did a geological survey of the whole area, then took it back to our design team, which is which is um, brilliant now because we're actually part of the the arena group. We've got an in-house design team, mm-hmm. uh, in-house engineer, and we, we took all the all the results back to him, who then calculated that you know the the, the point laws of the structures, the weight of the structures, what foundations are required so that structure actually doesn't sink. Right, and he was able to ascertain that we didn't we, we didn't we didn't need any remedial works to be done on the ground right so again you know it proves 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 a, a good point that the, the the old team works from start to finish from design to to construction sure sure and and that's perhaps an element that that um people listen to this might or, or might not ever consider is that you know okay great the scaffolding guys are here they throw up their scaffolding you know put a load of pipes and uh, metal pipes together and then somebody else comes along and puts us it you know the, the, the actual technology and the the pre-planning and, and the research that has to go in before you guys can even put a single piece of pipe work on site is 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 very very detailed and technical now yes yes it's, it's immense obviously you know the the design calculations and everything has to be checked off it, it goes through three phases of, of uh, in-house design in-house design engineer checking it off <coughs> to the um the, the design engineer that's employed by the um european source stroke rider cup limited and then obviously the local building control so it all goes through a series of checks before one before it's built to after it's built to make sure it's built in the in the correct manner mm. how, how were you able to um to balance the project given uh, the time on site that you would have had to have spent you know prior to the tournament starting and then after the tournament has finished um, how were you able to balance uh, the, the demands of, of clients that you would have with other projects elsewhere outside of the Ryder Cup um, was it something that, that, that was, was was fairly easy to do or again was there a, a long process involved in planning that to make sure that you're able to satisfy demand with other projects at the same time no it's a long it's, it's a long process of trying because we you know, we're traditionally, you know, yearly, really, 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 really busy over the summer period. So we've got to design, we've got to de- um, <coughs> work closely with our sister companies within the group, mm-hmm. which is now Arena, Arena Seating and Arena Structures, to see see what synergies we've got in, in plant, in kit, in men, you know, which really helped from being an independent company. Because mm-hmm. when I did the uh, Glen Eagles in 2014, we really struggled from a, a labour point of view with the, with that extra 25% contingency we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Where this year I had the support of a group behind me, which made it which made a complete difference, a complete mm. difference in, in 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 all resources. So um, yeah, previous Ryder Cups struggled in that sense of in a Ryder Cup year because the, the the amount of extra work 
you know, 2000 and, uh, 2018 was yeah. totally different. But again, it was just uh, not just planning with a client, planning within the group as well. Yeah. And from a staffing point, again, again, something you just touched on, which, which springs to mind is that um, I, I, I presume that in, in previous years, when you have been an independent company, you will have your own staff on site, your own laborers and, and, and people who are working hands on for you. Similarly, arena structures or arena seating would have had their own staff doing their bits and pieces. But I would guess without being sort of too ignorant of, of the actual details, a lot of the skills for your, st- your staff need and their staff previously would have needed are transferable. They're very, very similar skill sets. So as you said, it, uh, is what we're talking about here a scenario where actually it's one huge team of staff. So you can crack on with the job of building the scaffolding a lot quicker than you used to because you can tap into their staff and they could probably put up the structures and the seating a lot quicker because they can pull over some of your staff. Yeah, there's quite a lot of synergies within, within the labour pool. But... First and foremost, they've got to, got to do what they've got to do, and we've got to do what we've got to do. But it's that, like I say, that crossover. You may, you know, I may, may have had it as an independent company. Again, touching back on what you were saying earlier regarding days when you when we couldn't go on course. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have anywhere for the guys to, to build anything on 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 hard standing ground or anything like that, then it's a down day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not doing anything. Whereas now we can help on the internals with the structures, you know, and, and vice versa, the structures can help us. So, you know, sharing a plant, sharing the fuel, you know, sharing the tools, you know, where you're not, not like that poor neighbor no more, because obviously, <laughs> you know, you, you're living in the same house. So yeah, it, it were, it were, it were extremely, extremely different to what we, what we were used to, what we were used to. But, you know, like I say that group ethic, and again, with arena seating, I'll give you, for instance, um, again, that 25% contingency, a, a new structure was added to, to, the, um, to, the, to the Ryder Cup at a late stage. Um, nobody had a solution for the front patio and the handrail because the structure provider was not arena for that one. Right. But um, we were providing the scaffold, but the front patio and, and Andrea I wanted for the front patio. Nobody had, nobody had in stock. We were exhausted. So we turned to our sister company, Arena Seating, who have the Arena Deck and Andrea. So sure. now, now we, we, we were able to, to supply that to give a solution to the client at a late stage. Yeah. And, and, and we, were, we, were, we were just on that instance, we were laughing about that, um, that particular structure because people say you can't mix scaffold systems. So that particular structure came in late so you won't know the names of the, you understand the names of the, of the actual systems, but the front patio, which was supplied by Arena Seating, front patio and glass and drill supplied by Arena Seating, erected and constructed by us, was in a system called Perry. And the main tent, main structure connected to that, which again was supplied and built by us, was in a system called Aki. And then all the back of house, which were the loading bays and staircases, and the and the service tents were constructed in, in in layer. That's purely because it was a late stage, and that's what we had all designed. Mm-hmm. But it allayed that fact that it allayed that that uh, that myth that you can't mix systems, and we did. And you did successfully. And we solved it, and we solved the problem for the client. And and I suppose fundamentally, that's what it comes back down to, isn't it? When you are working on an event site, big or small, whether you're doing scaffolding or AV or furniture or whatever it may be, there will be situations where you do just have to go with what you've got available and make it work and you know it goes back to the point we made at the very start of today's podcast about 
the amount of planning that must have to go into delivering a project like this, but inevitably having to have that contingency available as well to make sure that you are delivering every element and the client ultimately is not having to compromise on anything that they see is going to benefit their event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we've looked at some of the headline figures. I'm, I'm curious that one thing I've not asked you is, is, a, is, a, is the actual time on site. By my calculation, from a square meterage, um, that's well over, that's batting up to sort of 13,000, 14,000 sort of square meters of, mm-hmm. uh, of area that you actually um, put in. Time on site, the tournament itself was back in the September, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the t- tournament was last weekend in September. So, yeah. so when did you guys actually first arrive on site with the first uh, van load or the first truck load? Yeah, well, the, previ- the previous four radicals have been involved in, we would usually, we would usually start the structures mid-June, towards right. the end of June. But the, the difficulty with the radical at the French Golf National this year was that the French Open is held there on the same course right. <laughs> in June. <laughs> and in, 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 on the last week of June, July. So we have to have certain elements to the scaffold ready for the structure companies to come in at the beginning of July, which meant we had to build these prior to right. the French Open and prior to the French Open build, which we, we obviously do. So to, to answer your question, we started on site to build structures for the Ryder Cup on the 9th of April. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's half of your working year, pretty much, dedicated to working on that tournament. Well, if you take if you take the dismantling into account, it's seven months. We, we, we you know, we're, we're still in there. In there now, we'll come out. We should be clear for the, the third week in November. And um, and I've no doubt at all that you'll get that all clear. You'll be able to put your feet up maybe for about what a half an hour period over Christmas, for the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> the, the, What's Christmas? Thirty minutes or so. <laughs> And then, and then back into it. And, and as we said, again, right at the top of the episode, the Ryder Cup is a biannual event, but it flip-flops back across from the US to, to Europe. So every four years, we are back in Europe with the tournament here. Um, so, so, so two things to ask. Um, do we know where the tournament's going to be in four years' time? Um, have you already been speaking to the European Tour about your involvement in that? Is it a long-term um, relationship that you've got, so a long-term contract, so you can begin planning that already? Yes, we're already speaking to the European Tour regarding that, and it's in Rome, in Italy, right? In uh, in 2022, as a group, as a group as well, the uh, Arena Americas were involved in the. Uh, they've got the contract for the 2022 Whistling Straits as well for, right? Uh, for the American part of the the Ryder Cup in 2020. So, um, so, so, so well and truly uh, involved in the whole setup. Yeah, yeah, um, and and uh, I suppose Rome is going to bring with it. Um, maybe different challenges because uh, at the time of year that the tournament is held you would you would perhaps assume um that, that the weather is going to be um a little bit bit warmer it might be um a few degrees uh you know warmer than, than it was in paris this time around um you're gonna have all sorts of different challenges to deal with it's a longer uh, journey isn't it the actual distance involved when we talk about two days down to paris to to, to bring you know fresh kit down there we're going to be talking a far longer journey aren't you down to uh, to the middle of italy so um I, I presume you're already looking at some of those challenges and identifying you know some early possible solutions to those yeah yeah we'll be looking at we'll be working on that over the next sort of like two or three years um just tentatively at the moment because obviously prices are going to change we don't know what's going to happen with brexit um there's all sorts of issues that are, that are, are going to be thrown up within the next 
I'm going to get one of those hooters, you know, the, uh, 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 <laughs> and every time the word Brexit's mentioned on the podcast, I should really give it a bell or a honk or something. But I, 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 I congratulate you because it's 31 minutes in and you've only, you've, you've only just mentioned the word Brexit, which, which is, I have to say, take, take, some, take some doing, mate. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, we've been talking on the podcast today to our guest, Willie Irish. Willie is the managing director of Arena Scaffolding um, and has had a long involvement um, with the European tour in helping to deliver scaffolding solutions for the structures that go up for the Ryder Cup tournaments. Um, Willie's been involved in five uh, Ryder Cups, which stretches back now 20 years in Europe. Um, and they, they had a major involvement in, um, in delivering all of the scaffolding. And as we said, up to my calculations, probably 14,000 square metres. But when you take into account the height of some of these structures and, and stuff that you've built, the square meterage probably doesn't do justice to physically how much kit you add on site. Um, is there anywhere that people can go to maybe see some of the uh, photos and, uh, and uh, examples of, of what you actually delivered? Um, what's your website, Willie, if people want to go and check you out and have a little bit, uh, a little bit of a look around what it is you guys do in more detail? Well, the, the, the website is um, arena, arena event services.com. Right. Uh, the, oh, and then obviously they've gone to the, um, <clears throat> the ride a couple of a special section on there for all that. Fantastic. I'd uh, urge anybody to go on there and uh, if you've got a few minutes to spare, you know, get, get over there, get onto their website and have a little look at what these guys do because, um, uh, uh, you know, we occasionally we use the term unsung heroes, but, you know, as we, we've, we've talked about, you know, the stuff that Willie and his team deliver, as soon as it's done and it's ready to go, straight away gets covered up. So uh, mm. perhaps these guys don't get the glory that, uh, that they deserve and uh, hopefully on the podcast today we've given you guys a little bit of the exposure that, uh, that you rightly need and, and should get every now and then, Willie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it, what a lot of people don't understand as well is what comes along with that substructure, you know, staircases, handrails, ramps, you know, access and egress is a, is a, is a massively important part of, of what we do as well once the structures once the structures up and in place mm. you know, we we um we erected um 71 staircases right the, some of over 900 steps uh and then we <laughs> also provided the main entrance main entrance to the uh to the um spectator village which is nine meter wide staircase six meters high which you know which again had um all, all netted and cladded in, but it's all a scaffold under such a substructure. And also, the, which were the, the party pieces you want to put it is the main player bridge and walkway. Again, you know, which is scaffold, staircase, and and, uh, and white powder coated handrail. You know, so we're going from you know from the back of house fire escapes right through to the front of house player bridge, and also um, stainless steel uh, staircases and platforms that we put in for the you know for the main hospitality, the Rolex. Absolutely. Everything. So there's a wide vari variation of things we do as well after the grids. Uh, as I said, get, get out, or as Willie said, should, uh, get, get over to their website and, and um, the guys will have um, pictures, I'm sure, and, and, and bits of you know, in, information and stuff that you can look at um, it, it, for any of our podcast viewers and, and listeners who want to look at uh, a little bit more about what these guys did um, for the Ryder Cup. Willie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy. Um, it. I, I feel uh, I feel we probably could, could could have rabbited on a lot longer actually. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've got to watch the clock, and I think, well, that there we are. We're, we're, it's flown past once again. Um, thanks for everybody for uh, for tuning into the um, to the podcast. Um, if you've been listening to the audio version of the podcast, don't forget to hop over to eventindustrynews.com where you can watch a video version of this podcast um, and uh, and watch us both have a good old natter about this. Um, if you're watching the video version of the podcast on the website at this. 
very moment, then why not hop over to your favorite podcast platform and download the audio version. You can get all of the uh, previous issues of the podcast and listen to them on your journey to and from work and uh, find out about what's happening in the industry. The podcast itself is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of the event industry news podcast my name's james dixon thanks very much and we'll see you again goodbye mm-hmm.